What's up? Welcome to the Gathering Strength Podcast, where we explore ideas and insights that empower us to create a better world, man, a better self, a better you. Michael Jackson said, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. Sure, he could have been a pedophile, but man, he created some good music. So we'll focus on on the good stuff. Anywho, today I'm going to be talking about a book that I finished listening to via the Audible app. It's called Food Fix, authored by Dr. Mark Hyman. Now, in this eye-opening work, he exposes the connections between our food system, human health, and the environment. Now, this book has a powerful message exploring how our current food production methods contribute to pollution, climate change, and the prioritization of profits over our well-being. Profits over our well-being? No way. No way that people would put money over our health. Wink. So within this book... The author, Dr. Hyman, he explores the influence of powerful corporate interests in government policies in our food system and suggests ways to mobilize individuals and communities to affect change. It provides actionable steps for consumers, policymakers, and businesses to make informed choices and contribute to a more sustainable and equitable food system. This author... Dr. Hyman. Hyman? H-Y-M-A-N. I guess that's how you pronounce his name. Makes me giggle a little bit. But in this book, he wants to empower you to make informed choices that contribute to a more healthier version of yourself and also a more sustainable and equitable food system. Because, man, he wants to help Everybody, And that's one of the great things about books is that the information that is accumulated, crystallized, written down, man, that information can be disseminated to everybody. Hey, such as, such as uh, through this, this little podcast, Gathering Strength, your boy Ruby Rube wants you to have the buff body, mind, spirit, and bank. And one of the ways that we do that is that we create a healthy relationship with food. Now, I can recall on one of my long Ironman training sessions, I was in the dark, just in my own thoughts. I I don't listen to any music. And the only thing that I have to do is think. And it was during one of those sessions where I thought of this little change in semantics, in the words that I was using. And the words that I swapped out was, hey, you know what? I don't need to eat any food, so I'm going to swap out eating for fueling because the food that I put in my into my body is going to sustain me during these long Ironman training sessions so I'm no longer gonna eat I'm gonna fuel and then after once my training is done I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat I'm gonna put some food in in my body to recover so I swapped out eating for fueling and eating for recovery. And then also, another word that I swapped out was sleep. I'm not going to sleep anymore. During that time, I don't have to sleep. Because 
guess what? I'm swapping out the word sleep for recover. So when I go to bed, there's purpose, there's intent, and there is a more powerful word that is going to help me. It's going to help me to gain a little bit more of a psychological advantage. Because when you go to sleep, that means that you're tired. And guess what? I don't have time to get tired. But I have time to lay my body to rest so it can recover for tomorrow's sessions, for tomorrow's life lifts and stresses. I have time for that. Another thing that I swapped out was the word exercise. Because when you are training for a marathon or an Ironman, you don't have time for exercise. But you have time for training. And there is a different approach to exercise and training that I found for myself. Because exercise can be described as a little bit of arduous, more of a chore, you know, kind of a little bit of drudgery associated with it. But when you train with, for something, that means there's purpose, there's a, a deadline to it, so there, it, it can stoke a little bit more of a hotter fire under your booty to get you out of bed because waking up to exercise, that can be challenging. But waking up to train for something, hey, now we have a little bit of purpose behind uh, the, the actions that we're going to do. We're gonna, we have a little bit of a why. Now, one of the key points in this book is the book talks about how the food we eat affects our health and the environment. Now, in simpler terms, it means that the book explores how the things we eat can have an impact on our own well-being and the world around us. It helps us to understand that the food we choose to consume has consequences for both our bodies and for Earth. Now, when you break it down and you think about it, We learn about the food that we put in our body affects us at a very early age. Kindergarten level. We learn in kindergarten that the food we put in our body affects us. We want to eat the the healthy greens, the carrots, the fruits, the vegetables. So this is not... This is nothing new. But for some reason there's still half of the American population is obese, out of shape, suffers from cardiovascular diseases. It's like, come on, we need to get back to the basics. For example, some foods can provide us with the necessary nutrients and energy to stay healthy, while others can lead to health problems if consumed in large quantities or if they contain harmful ingredients. The book highlights the importance of making good food choices to support our overall health. Now, when I say that we all know what good and healthy food is, you know what? There are some people who legitimately do not know what good and healthy food is. And I don't want to insult the intelligence of people who legitimately do not know that Cheetos are bad for them as opposed to having a a salmon salad with uh, cashews and leafy greens. 
health and nutrition and, and dietary foods to eat, man, that can be very confusing. But, you know, if you were to go onto the internet and look up, hey, what are some healthy foods to eat? You will have so much different information coming at you saying, hey, eat this because this is good for you. This is bad for you. And and you'll have another article saying, hey, don't eat that. That's going to contribute to obesity and diabetes. And it's like, oh my God, it's so confusing, right? Here is a tip from your old boy, Ruby Rube. One is to become in tune with your body. After you're done eating something, how, how do you feel after? The food that you put in your body is it, not only supposed to satiate that grumbling in your belly. The food that you put in your body is supposed to revitalize you. It's spo- you're supposed to get more energy. You're supposed to be able to continue moving forward with the day. You don't want to end up in a, in a food coma to where you feel like crap. And then you have to go take a crap after you eat that cheese pizza. Now you have to go sit on the toilet for 20 minutes. Hey, turns out that you might be lactose intolerant. You have to be in tune with your body and be in tune with how you how these foods make you feel and then make your decisions based on how how they make you feel. Why do you want to keep eating food that makes you feel like crap? I don't know, but man, some people do. Now, even if you do know the good foods and the bad foods and you can differentiate between the foods that make you feel good and make you feel like crap, and you still choose the foods that make you feel like crap because they, they taste good and they make you feel good in the moment, then here is a word that I would like to introduce to you to put in your vernacular so that when you do decide to choose the wrong food over the right food, this is a word that you can reflect upon and judge upon your life and maybe it'll help guide you to make a better choice. The word is temperance. Now, the term temperance refers to the practice or virtue of moderation, self-restraint, and moderation in behavior, particularly in relation to indulgences or excessive consumption. It involves exercising control and restraint over one's actions, desires, and impulses, particularly in areas such as eating, drinking, and other pleasurable activities. Now, I like all of the finer things in life. I like ice cream, cakes, cookies, a cigarette every now and then, a stogie, a beer, you name it. I enjoy all that stuff. But one thing that I am in tune with is the price that I'm going to be paying for partaking in any of those lower level consuming habits. Now, beer, that's not bad for you. One or two, hey, that's fine. But just keep in mind of that slippery slope. Keep in mind how when you give your flesh uh, an inch, hey, don't be surprised when it takes a mile. Now, your boy Ruby Rube, like I said, I love to 
eat a little piece of chocolate cake or a Ghirardelli square or, you know, whatever. Whatever savory indulgence that is is around me, I, I enjoy all, all that stuff. But I also exercise temperance and discipline and I have clarity on my higher values, where I want to go, who I want to be, what I want to do, what do I want to look like. Because I have clarity in all of that stuff, it helps me to make the right choice. Now, temperance typically involves finding a balanced approach and avoiding extremes. It emphasizes the ability to resist temptations, cravings, or excessive behaviors, promoting sense of self-discipline and moderation. This virtue is often associated with maintaining personal health, avoiding excesses, and cultivating a balanced and harmonious lifestyle. Historically, temperance has been applied to various aspects of life, including alcohol consumption, but its scope extends beyond that. It can be seen as a broader concept encompassing moderation in all aspects of life, including emotions, desires, and habits. By practicing temperance, individuals strive for self-control and moderation to achieve a more balanced and fulfilling existence. Now, to me, all that sounds great because ultimately you get to have the best of both worlds. What I found in my life was the periods or the eras in my life where I didn't have discipline and I didn't have temperance and I didn't have clarity. That was the times where I was out of control. That was the times where I I was just being blown by wherever life was blowing me. Seneca says that if you do not know which port you're sailing to, then no wind is favorable. And back in those eras where I didn't know which port I was sailing to, I was just adrift. I was going this way, that way. But now when you exercise discipline and temperance and you gain clarity, now you can set your sails to catch the winds that are going to take you to where you want to go. The most important thing is to identify, hey, where do you want to go? Do you want to have a body that is strong, that is limber, that is healthy? Well, then you have to eat the foods that are going to promote that. If you want to have a body that is healthy, strong, filled with vigor and energy, but for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you're eating Cheetos, Taco Bell, chili beans, and a a whole loaf of sourdough bread, you know, that's going to cause anger and frustration because, hey, your expectations are not meeting reality. You need to look at yourself and identify, hey, where am I messing up? I want to go over here, but I'm way over here. It looks like you're going to have to do some reflecting on your life and see, hey, what's stifling your growth? It's probably your diet, your lack of knowledge, your lack of understanding. Essentially, the map that you have made for yourself, hey, it's not accurate. You're going to need to let that map burn And you're going to need to acquire a new perspective of how the land is laid out before you. Another interesting aspect of this book is that the book talks about how big companies or powerful groups sometimes care more about making money than they they do about our health and the well-being of the environment. 
Hmm, interesting. Hey, there's an old adage that cash is king. And these multi-billion trillion dollar companies, they need, want, and absolutely have to have your money. Because if you're not buying their products, then, hey, how are they going to get their third and fourth Learjet to travel all over the world? And the way that they get your money is that they create advertisements that push all of these psychological buttons in your mind that make you desire and yearn for and make you feel like, hey, you're missing out. There was a commercial during the NBA playoffs. There was, I I was watching the Warriors game and it was a game around 12 o'clock. So this is about lunchtime, right? And I already did my morning workout and I'm in between having, have, I'm in between having had my breakfast and it's about lunchtime, right? So there I am, noontime, watching the game and and I'm starting to get a little bit hungry. And then all of a sudden, a McDonald's commercial comes on. And how much do you think McDonald's pays to have an advertisement in a NBA, NBA playoff game? It's millions of dollars, right? And how much do you think that they pay to have the psychological research done and the editing uh, company, the, the PR firm, how much do you think they pay to have that commercial made? Millions of dollars. Now there I am, hungry, it's about lunchtime, and that McDonald's commercial comes on, and there they have the slow motion pour of the coke over the ice cubes and the bubbles are rising to the top and they have that sound of the fizz you know i don't even even need to tell you you know what that sound makes right and you know there's nothing wrong with coca-cola it's not neither bad nor good it's the inability to to control your impulse to continually consume that if you want to have it on the weekend that's great. If the problem becomes when you have it for lunch and dinner and every instant in between that. That's the problem. And it's your inability to realize that that is a problem. Anywho, back to the commercial, right? So, there they have that Coke. And then it's a transition to the French fries being poured out. And they got you know, good-looking actors and actresses, smiling, they got cool people doing skateboarding, they have the cool music, the cool voice, and then, ooh, that flame-broiled patty, going over the flames with the sesame seed bun, and the crisp lettuce, I'm like, man, I'm hungry, I, I was this close to calling my wife and be like, hey, babe, round up the kids, we're going to McDonald's, but then, I snapped out of it. I was like, oh, wow, that was hypnotizing. They got me, y'all. Hey, and you know what? If they can get me, they can get you guys, right? They, If they can get your boy, Ruby Rube, one of the most disciplined guys out there, then, man, the people who are absolutely blind to these sales tactics, uh, sales tactics they stand no chance. And like I said before, 
you know, that Coca-Cola company, they're not good or bad. They have a product to sell. They want your money. And they're going to put their profits over the health of my family, the health of my son, the health of my daughter. They will allow my son and my four-year-old daughter to drink that all day. So what that means is we need to go back to that word temperance and realize and gain clarity over our lives. Do we want our kids drinking Coca-Cola every single day? Do you want yourself to drink Coca-Cola every single day? If not, hey, why not? You know, ask those questions to yourself. Come up with your own answers because ultimately that's going to guide you to a better destination The book goes on to talk about how powerful interests prioritize their own profits for financial gains over things that are good for our health and the environment. For example, they might use harmful chemicals in food production to save money, even if those chemicals can be bad for our bodies or contribute to pollution. They can have, they can have negative effects on our health because we may end up consuming food that is not as nutritious or that contains substances that could be harmful to us. It can also harm the environment by polluting our air, water, and soil. Like I said, it is profits over everything. Cash is king. Now, the book is going to bring attention to this issue and wants us to be aware that these powerful interests may not always have our best interests in mind. It encourages us to think critically about the decisions made by these entities and advocate for changes that prioritize our health and the well-being of the environment. Even if we don't change, you know, these big companies, we can change ourselves. We don't have the power to change or we shouldn't expect big powerful companies to help us out or big government to help us out. Ultimately, we vote every single day with the things that we buy with our money. If we're not buying these products, then the company is going to be like, Hey, I guess we need to develop new products, listen to our consumer, or go out of business. And that's the last thing that they want to do is go out of business. One final interesting aspect that really illuminated a it illuminated this fact to me because I know how the world works a little bit more. And when you know how the world works, hey, you can navigate yourself a little bit better. And one of the ways that this book illuminated how being poor can impact our food choices, well, it, show, it points out how this can happen in several ways. For example, when you don't have much money, it can be challenging to afford healthy and nutritious food. Many times, healthier options like fruits, vegetables, and lean meats tend to be more expensive than processed or fast food. This means that people with limited resources might opt for cheaper but less nutritious food. Additionally, living in poverty can limit your access to grocery stores or markets that offer a wide variety of fresh and affordable foods. In some areas, there may be even a lack of store selling nutritious options, 
forcing individuals to rely on convenience stores or fast food restaurants that typically offer cheaper but less healthy food choices. Furthermore, poverty can create a situation of food insecurity where individuals or families do not have consistent access to enough food to meet their basic needs. This can lead to relying on cheap, calorie-dense foods that are often high in unhealthy fats, sugars, and processed ingredients. These choices can contribute to health problems like obesity and chronic diseases. Overall, being poor can limit your options for purchasing nutritious foods due to cost and limited access. It can result in a higher reliance on cheaper, less healthy options, which can have negative consequences for overall health and well-being. The book highlights the importance of addressing, of addressing poverty and promoting equitable access to affordable, nutritious food f for all individuals and communities. You know what that sounds a lot like to me is the Matthew Effect, a.k.a. the Pareto Principle. Essentially, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the healthy get healthier, the sick get sicker, the fat people get fatter, the strong people get stronger, the smart get smarter, the dumb get dumber, and so on and so on. These small accumulative advantages work for people to where their gains get them gains and the accumulative disadvantages slowly circle people down that toilet bowl of a life to where it is much harder to dig yourself or pull yourself out of that, that toilet bowl. Now, when you have a bad, crappy diet, it is inevitable that your physical health is going to be diminished, reduced, dim, inadequate. Now, because your physical health is messing up, hey, guess what? Your energy and vitality is reduced, diminished, subtracted. Now, because you're not feeling good, guess what? Your mental health starts to go down because research suggests that a poor diet can contribute to mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, and cognitive decline. Because guess what? Hey, you know what? I'm not going to speak for everybody. There are some people out there who are fat and sexy and big and beautiful. But for the large swath of society, when you don't have a healthy a healthy body, when you're not feeling strong, when you're not feeling confident, when summer comes around and you have to swim with a t-shirt on because you don't want your big gelatinous man titties flopping everywhere, that's going to affect your mental health. That is going to increase your depression. It's going to increase your anxiety. Man, and, and like I said, it's hard to get yourself out of that. And it's going to affect your cognitive capabilities. So now because you are depressed, anxiety, unconfident, broken-spirited, your academic and professional performance is going to become an issue as well. And now your emotional well-being is jacked up. 
Oh my. Can you see how not having a proper healthy diet and a strong body is going to jack up your entire life? Emotional well-being. Unhealthy eating patterns can contribute to emotional imbalances, including increased stress levels and a higher likelihood of experienced mood swings. This can negatively impact relationships. Uh-oh, there goes your marriage. Your overall happiness. Hey, now because you're walking around reduced, diminished, and broken-spirited, you bring that everywhere. Where you're supposed to be showing up your brightest and most brilliant, you're walking around like that. Your socioeconomic impact. Poor diet-related health issues can lead to increased health care costs, decreased work productivity, and potential financial strain. And so guess what? Because you're out of shape, that's more time in the hospital. That's more time. Because you're in the hospital, now you can't work. And now because you can't work, now your bills aren't getting paid. And now because your bills aren't getting paid, man, add it up. Add it up. Now that is called, essentially, the Matthew Effect. Um, here are some ways to get yourself out of the, the Matthew Effect as it pertains to bad nutritional health. Nutritional knowledge. Individuals who have access to better resources of education about nutrition, such as nutritionists, dietitians, or health professionals, are more likely to make informed dietary choices and maintain a healthy diet. Guess what, y'all? We got... The internet, your phone is more capable of logging on to Foos Gone Wild and watching people fight and twerk. You can illuminate some of the problems that you have in your life, such as your dietary uh, consuming habits. Financial constraints. Healthy food options such as fresh fruits, vegetables, and lean proteins can often be more expensive than processed or unhealthy foods. Individuals with greater financial means can afford to purchase nutritious foods, while those with limited financial resources may be restricted to cheaper, less healthy alternatives. This financial disadvantage can make it more challenging to break free from a bad diet as access to healthier options may remain limited, contributing to long-term health disparities. So, hey, guess what? You're going to have to get your money right. One of the things about my podcast, I want you to have that buff bank. Uh, Number three, childhood habits. Early experiences and habits developed during childhood can have a lasting impact on dietary choices throughout your life. So, guess what? If you are a parent, a caregiver, you are responsible for instilling the habits within your children because the habits that you expose your children to as it pertains to a proper healthy diet that is going to set them up and it's going to have a lasting impact on their dietary choices throughout their lives there's a biblical scripture that talks about how the parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge go ahead and look that one up there's also a study in rats And in psychology on how, man, us caregivers, us parents, we set our children up in so many different various ways. So the most important thing that us parents can do is sort ourselves out, 
get a grip on our problems, strengthen our weaknesses, double down on our strengths, and show up everywhere more brilliant, more bright, more strong, more vibrant, and more jacked. That's right, your boy Ruby Rube wants you to have that buff body, mind, spirit, and bank. I want to see you win, man. Come on, let's go. If you made it to the end of this podcast, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and give me a like, a a subscribe, and a follow. And until next time, you know what time it is. It's onward. Always onward.